0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sugar Pills, A Practical Guide to Self-Care. As always, I'm your girl, Candy Washington, and I am so grateful for this time that we have together, and hopefully I can help you lead a more joyful life. So with that, if you are listening on our podcast platforms, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, also be sure to subscribe and like the video and leave us a comment and share with a friend, because your journey to self love, and self-worth is always a little bit easier with a little bit of support. So with that, I want to introduce our beautiful guest, Sally Pisk. So I'm sorry, Sally Ann Pisk. And Sally Ann is the founder of Eating For You. It's an online business, and it helps women reclaim themselves and their lives through mindful eating and living. The Eating For You approach is based on scientific research, Eastern nutrition, and Sally Ann's own experiences of transitioning from dieting to mindful eating herself. As she realized that healthy eating wasn't meant to be so hard. We can enjoy ourselves, guys. And Sally Ann impressively has a private community of over 2,000 members. So welcome, Sally Ann. And thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, Candy, it's just wonderful to be here Um Yeah. I really love the way you promote self-care and it's so in line with the eating for you approach. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and then talk a little bit about your transition. I know that I personally a hundred percent identify with yo-yo dieting, going up, going down, all of that stuff. So how were you able to transition from sort of that yo-yo dieting, up and down dieting, Just being mindful and really making it about a lifestyle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm just laughing because um, it didn't happen overnight, um, as uh, many of uh, your listeners will relate to as well. Um, It was particularly difficult, I suppose, for me when I think about, you know, being in my mid to late 20s because I had. Been to university and already had, you know, four years of training um, behind me in nutrition and health, and I got to the stage where there'd been some major events in my life, and the turning point really f- for me was after my brother my brother died suddenly, and I realised I had developed a comfort eating habit, and. Uh, I, first of all, became much more empathetic of other ladies and men that I had worked with that uh, had this problem as well. But I really knew, even before that, that having the food knowledge alone is not enough. Um, You know, I often say knowing what to eat uh, isn't enough. Um, Mm -hmm. It's more than that. And so it was coming to the realisation that, anything that I had tried before in terms of restriction or just, you know, keeping the bad foods out of the house, that just wasn't working anymore. And I was actually, I can remember the moment, you know, this first light bulb moment for me, I was sitting in the park talking to a friend who's also a dietitian. And she said to me, you know, well, maybe you know, it's not about restriction, maybe you've just got to step back from, you know, all of those food rules that you have around food. And of course, you kind of think, does that mean I have to throw away, you know, all of my knowledge? No, it doesn't. It just means uh, you start a journey looking uh, for other ways to take care of yourself. And it's really about that, Candy, it's that realization that the way I'm eating isn't really nourishing me. It's really not about good foods and bad foods. It's about what do I need in that moment? Is it food or is it something else? Mm -hmm. And just realising um yeah how you can go on that journey and and i didn't realize you know even you know bringing all this knowledge you know from that turning point you know over 10 years ago to you know writing my book and putting this approach together I had actually created a mindfulness approach and yes. I, I didn't even realize that candy, you know, because <laughs> yeah. even though I was into mindfulness and I was into meditation and uh, looking at compassion and what that really meant in a practical way. Uh, it wasn't until Absolutely. my husband actually read, you know, an earlier draft of my book and he said, this is all about mindfulness and I said oh is it so at that stage it was a humongous <laughs> book you know it was 95,000 words so it was like amazing. oh that's a big book <laughs> it's not quite so big in the world, but, yeah. But yeah, it was about mindfulness and what I've come to realize just with my own journey with mindfulness you know the mm-hmm. formal stuff you know sitting on the cushion as we say and meditating but also wanting to put that into day-to-day living such as eating and other choices we make mm-hmm. is that there's so much more to mindfulness than we first realize. We all sort of appreciate that mindfulness is being in the moment and um, but it's really about being there with curiosity. You know, mm. often you'll hear it's about non-judgment and that's obviously a lot to do with the compassionate approach to life as well. Um, but curiosity is what allows people um, myself but also the ladies that I work with to really go on to that journey of self-discovery and finding out one why is it that I have you know this particular eating habit you know why is it causing me so much stress Mm -hmm. Um, and why can't I change it you know because if we become curious we're not judging ourselves anymore we're not comparing ourselves to somebody else we're just going on our own journey
0: yeah, no, absolutely. And I love everything that you said, and especially about mindfulness when it comes to eating and then mindfulness in general, when it comes to your life. And for me, I kind of think of mindfulness as just being conscious, being aware, you know, being uh, a witness to and present for. Yeah. And I love that you tie that into curiosity, because if you're mindful of something, you're aware of it. And then you instead of judging it, you can say, Well, why do I do this? You know, Mm -hmm. why do I overeat? Why do I undereat? You know, why do I binge eat or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. have that awareness that you're doing it because you know a lot of people overeat because we don't even we're not even thinking about eating. We're just sitting there and we're just piling in our food. We're watching TV and all of a sudden you look down and your plate's gone or the bag of chips are gone. You know, you aren't being you aren't even being conscious of it, right? So it's that it's that awareness of choice i'm choosing to eat this amount i'm choosing to eat this thing rather than being on Mm -hmm. idle autopilot right so i love that and i also love um your story about your friend she was like well you know maybe you don't have to be restrictive but you're like but i have all this knowledge and what came up for me when you were talking was you were like "Oh, i don't have to throw away this knowledge in my mind i was like you don't have to throw it away you just reapply it differently you know how am i now going to reapply this knowledge in a more mindful mm-hmm. conscious aware compassionate way so i'm yeah. not using my knowledge to punish myself i'm yes. using my knowledge to honor myself because restriction exactly. and dieting that's like punishing mm-hmm. yourself right yeah. And, uh, and, then, yeah. Yeah. and yeah and and
1: that's really interesting because I, you know, obviously have reflected on this as I've put, you know, the book together and my online yeah. programs together and yeah. all the conversations I have with ladies every day. And, you know, you sometimes think back and think, why did I ever go on a diet in the first place? You know, because obviously I went on a diet before <laughs> I became a dietitian. you know, it was yeah, like... Great. I can remember being at high school, you know, with my friends and we'd be reading magazines. We didn't have social media, you know, in front of us (laughs) like we do now. You're
0: lucky, you're lucky. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But the magazines had enough effect, trust me. Um, Mm -hmm. And we would. We'd read them from cover to cover and we would try the diets. And it was like that was the expected way to eat. You know, it was nothing about just tuning into yourself and learning what hunger and satiety meant and all of that it was just about well you eat breakfast now and this is what you eat you eat lunch now this is what you eat you eat dinner this is what you eat um, and depending on the era you had snacks or you didn't have snacks or you <laughs> have more carbs less carbs more protein less carb. you know totally, like, yeah you know so that was the other thing I realized you know when I started on this journey putting all my knowledge together was that you know this ever streaming uh, information fest and like you said with social media now it is like every minute of the day,
0: every minute, uh, every day you know, on your it, phone, scrolling in your exactly, face. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And all of this confusing information. Um, mm-hmm. and when it gets to the basics, I think we all really do know what healthy food is, you know, in the simplest term, it's food that has been minimally or not processed at all. You know, that's starting point for all of us but so we kind of know that, but you know, then we get led down the track by, well, you know, maybe if I eat less carbs or I eat more protein or I eat more fat or I do this or I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really it's not about that. And, and I realized I needed an approach to empower others to be able to filter out all that confusing information, you know?
0: No, a hundred percent. And I, and I think, um, Like, also, what you're talking about is also, like, intuitive eating and eating for what's right for your body and for yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. I had this conversation with my mom the other day. She, like, she doesn't eat beef or anything like that, and she gets tired. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, maybe you need a steak. Like, maybe you need a burger. Like, you know, what is – you know, not good for someone else might be good for you. So it's like, it's not uh, one size fit all. So you have to really be in tune okay. with your body. Like maybe your body needs that iron. Maybe your body needs that fat. Yes. Maybe your body yeah. needs that carb. It's about yes. knowing what works for my body. What makes yeah. my body work at its op- like optimal um, place or whatever. And then yeah. also speaking to what you were saying with like mindfulness, like my mindset shift was, when I started really getting more into like self-care and self-worth and self-love and self-esteem and all that stuff, my big shift was, oh, I'm not losing weight or toning up or slimming down, um, in order to love myself. Like once I get this weight, once I get this number on the scale, once I look like this Instagram model, then I'll be worthy of love. Then I'll be deserving. Then I can love myself because look at how I look. But then, but my shift was No, I love myself. Therefore, I take care of myself.
1: Yeah. And how
0: do I take care of myself? By eating foods that I'm not going to label them good or bad. Mm. But but by eating foods that nourish my mind, body, and soul. Sometimes you just want that chocolate bar and that's okay. Mm. But I'm not going to overindulge because that's not honoring Mm. my body. But I'm also not going to starve myself because that's not honoring my body either. So Mm. when my mindset shifted from... I love Mm. myself, therefore I take care of myself. And I got a really good loving relationship with how I was exactly how I was. Mm. Then everything else started to shift. So I wasn't trying to become Mm. something else in order to be worthy and deserving. So that was kind of like my mindset shift for it. Yeah,
1: no, that's massive. And it's the journey, Mm-hmm. that we all need to go on at some stage. So before we were talking about, you know, mindfulness, um, about curiosity and obviously compassion oh. is a big component, uh, courage is another one. I've been very fortunate to in Australia to attend uh, a few um, education sessions and public talks with uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Oh, and wow. he often says, he often says, you have to be courageous to go on this journey but when you can be compassionate going on that journey the judgment falls away it's about well yeah that thought about myself or about that food or how I look or or what I'm supposed to be that's kind of intimidating but if we can take it from that compassionate and courageous point of view exactly what you were saying is about well does that serve me now? And no it doesn't it's just an old held belief that has passed its expiry date you know 100 percent no longer valid and it's it's just wonderful i i i'm so privileged to see so many ladies just come into that mindset and it's kind of like i say give yourself permission give yourself permission to experiment to become curious um, And, you know, the tendency can be, well, um, you know, as you were saying before about the chocolate, well, I can eat chocolate now. But when you eat it mindfully, you know that, you know, some days it might be one square of the chocolate bar. Another day, it might be five squares. You know, I love sharing a story about myself. You know, often in winter, I like to sit in front of the fire and have a piece of chocolate after dinner. And this particular time, I love, my ladies love hearing this story. I broke off five squares. Okay. And I thought, well, I'll just eat them. You know, I've broken it off. You know, by the second square, I definitely had enough. By the third square, I'm questioning why I keep, why am I keeping going? Mm -hmm. And then by the time I'm fifth, you know, finish the fifth square, it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, I had that that gooey, sticky, you know, mm-hmm. sensation in my mouth and my stomach was saying, no, sally this is not pleasure anymore. This is exactly. like punishment. <laughs> <you know?"> exactly, <laughs> yeah. I relate to what you were saying is that when we can really tune into our bodies, it is knowing uh, not so much even, you know, what we're going to eat but how much we need in that particular time um, that we're choosing to eat. Um,
0: absolutely
1: yeah and the other thing that just come back to me that yeah. came into my mind when you were sharing your story was that not only uh, do we need to learn how to eat for ourselves but from day to day it varies as well because I was thinking you know about you know the carbs when you said that and I know for myself you know we live in a rural area of Australia and yeah. I have a big you know fruit garden you know we have you know pears and peaches nectarines at the other end of the season we have citrus fruits and I know when I've had a day in the garden you know three or four hours of just doing stuff mm-hmm. I feel like carbs whereas if I have a day in my office and I'm just sitting it's like you know even my husband will say to me he says Aren't you going to have anything with the salad or with your vegetables? And I said, No, I don't feel like it because I've just been Mm -hmm. sitting sitting for most of the day. (laughs) Other than my yoga in the morning, you know, and checking on the horse, um, I really haven't done any activity and my body doesn't need the fuel. Um, And so that's the other big mindset shift for us all to make is that just because one day we want some carbs, the next day we may not. And it's Mm -hmm. okay that we don't eat the same foods and the same amount of foods every day. Um, the body likes routine, um, but it doesn't mean we eat the same amount every day. Does that make sense to you as well?
0: No, absolutely. And it goes back to being in tune with mind and body to be able yeah. to check in with your body and your mind. You know, it's oh, I want to yeah. eat this, but I'm eating this out of habit or am I eating this yeah. because this is actually what. I feel I need in this moment. So it's like checking your habits versus being present in in the moment with yourself. So be conscious, be aware and be present. What do, what do I need now? Am I hungry or am I thirsty? Like, (laughs) do I really want this or, or is this what I always have? You know, it's just habits or is this what I actually need to sustain myself? So like you said, being curious and asking um, the questions and being open to um, what your mind and body tells you, and then following that's... your own um, intuition, following your own lead, mm-hmm. following the wisdom of your body rather than yes. following Instagram or magazines or yes. things like that. Um, um, yeah. So what are some other triggers that cause people to either overeat, emotional eat, or under-eat uh, that you've seen mm-hmm. with, like, yourself or your clients?
1: Yeah, look, there's, there's different styles of... Um... Uh, emotional eating and some of them you know come from that mindset and um, I have a resource which I'm more than happy you know to share um, with your audience the emotional eating triggers checklist and that can be found um, at eatingchecklist.com just a nice simple website (laughs) Um, and that really explores some of those mindset triggers that we're not really that aware of you know often people will say with eating triggers it can be you know i feel sad i feel bored um Mm -hmm. i feel stressed you know whenever i get feedback perhaps from family friends or work colleagues that i perceive as bad Mm -hmm. i feel like eating so often people have that concept that when they feel a particular way they go and eat but they're not actually going back to the original thought that has created that feeling that then encourages them to eat. So there's many different things that can trigger um, emotional eating, and and this is why it's really fascinating. And and often, um, Candy, when I'm Mm -hmm. talking with ladies, they don't know why. And that's kind of the frustrating thing about it is getting to that why. Why is it that I feel like eating? You know, is it a particular... belief I have about food? Is it a belief about myself? Is it um, just a frustration? Because I often share this story, you know, everybody who comes to talk to me, and and I know your listeners for your podcast, they want to have health, they want to have wealth, you know, well being, they want to look after themselves. And it's kind of like, you've got one foot on one side of the crevice, and then on the other side of the crevice, it's like, Oh no this is too hard i can't do this i've tried so many things before why would this work Mm -hmm. um maybe this is not the right time and all of these mindset barriers are stopping us and so i kind of like it well let's i should show my hands you know let's close the gap so that intention that's so important to take care of ourselves and our thoughts and beliefs come together so we can actually make those choices um, to look after ourselves. So it's really interesting because when I, I'm just thinking, of you know, a few ladies that yeah. one of their, their biggest issues was actually they didn't realize they weren't looking after themselves because, you know, they had, you know, they were mums, grandmothers. They had worked, you know, looked mm. after other people in their work and didn't actually realize that they weren't looking after themselves, that they didn't really have that self-care attitude. So that in itself, um, as funny as it may sound, can actually be a trigger for eating because all they're seeing is that they've got one foot on one side of the crevice and one on the other, and how do I close that gap? And that gap can often be that they haven't realized that they don't have a self-care mindset. Yeah. yeah, so this, it's really fascinating taking these journeys and, and this one particular lady that, you know, had that situation was, you know, she was in, you know, one of my programs for a few months and she was learning and she was optimistic and then all of a sudden it was bang. I realised I wasn't prioritising time for myself. You know, she yeah. had to learn to say no to the people mm-hmm. that she loved so she could invest in herself. And she also knew that by investing in herself, that she would be taking care of others. So it's kind of that win-win situation, even though it doesn't seem like that in the beginning. It is very much about saying no to others. how how does How does that make sense? But it actually makes sense because I'm a healthier, calmer, more centered person, yeah. um, and I'm looking after myself, I'm also setting an example for my children, perhaps my grandchildren, uh, my friends. Um, and, and this is how it works. And yeah, so it's just lovely to follow the evolution. So when something then changes with your health, um, that, that realization is not so hard to make that I have to invest in myself and, and look at my thoughts and beliefs about making changes to my eating, uh, and lifestyle choices to improve my health.
0: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people who are either in caretaker roles or they might have yeah. a more codependent type personality yeah. or people pleasing. They they do tend to put their own well-being last if it even makes the yeah. list. And they it's just give, give, give. And then they realize that they themselves are depleted, not fulfilled, unhappy, yes. resentful, overeating, under eating, binge eating, yeah. emotional eating, all of it yes. in order to cope with the feeling of feeling empty. Because yeah. if you don't yeah. fill your own cup up then you don't really actually have anything else to give. What comes That's out true. of our cup is for others. What is in our cup is for us. So we okay. should fill up our own cups first. Yes. And then and then also what came up for me when you were talking, um, it seems like people might emotionally eat because they're out of fear. It sounds really fear-based. Like they're afraid okay. to confront the hurt that they actually feel or the anger or the disappointment or the resentment or the loss or the trauma. So instead of facing what is actually causing Mm -hmm. me pain, instead of sitting with my own grief, instead of sitting with my own hurt, I'm going to eat it or I'm going to exercise it out or I'm going to starve it out. Right. So it's like, I want to focus on this thing so I don't have to actually look at what's really hurting. Yeah. 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 And I was reading this, this book about dating, which is like really random. That's a totally different (laughs) podcast episode, guys. (laughs) But one of the stories, and it made me think of it when you were talking, was this woman Mm. who was overweight. Mm -hmm. And one thing that came out was she was saying like, oh, yeah, I want to date. I want to get in shape. But she Mm -hmm. actually had this deep rooted fear that if she actually lost weight, then people would really see her. Yeah. And so she was using the weight as a shield to to yes. actually not be seen, not to have attention, yes. because she was scared to actually have to show up and be yes. seen and be full. So I think yeah, sometimes yeah. it's, it's fear based. Like I had yes. a bad day. I don't want to deal with having a bad day. So I'm going to eat this cookie. You know, my yes. boyfriend broke up with me. I don't want to deal with my heartbreak. So I'm going to yes. eat this three pints yes. of ice yes. cream. Yes.
1: You know,
0: or whatever it is, yeah. So I think sometimes that happens too, and that's oh, definitely, and that's what keeps people stuck. Like when you were saying, people are like, "Oh, like maybe not now is not the right time," and maybe I'll do it again. But it's probably because they're not yet to the place where they're ready to confront themselves. Because that's really what this journey is all about. It's really being able to confront yourself in a loving, curious, compassionate way. And That's hold right. space for yourself and hold space for your healing.
1: So, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, most definitely. And I sort of like to, you know, work on the, the basis of um, what I call the nine drivers for eating. So yeah. we kind of have health there as a positive driver. Well, we want to make it a positive driver, we have health and well being aspirations Um, but that alone we know is not enough necessarily to change the way we eat Um, learning to you know tune into natural hunger and satiety signals you know hunger is a driver for eating but there is a big difference between hunger and appetite you know hunger is physical hunger appetite can be eating for a whole range of reasons (laughs) the, the classic is you know for me is like Oh, I walk walk past a bakery and I smell that fresh bread and I think, oh, I want to have some of that, but <laughs> I'm not actually hungry. You know, our our senses could, you know, want us really to eat. Or, you know, I um have a friend who spent a lot of time growing up with her um grandparents and her grandmother was a, a wonderful baker. So whenever she sees, you know, the food that you know, her grandmother used to make, um, you know, different cookies and that, it's like, oh, I want to have some of that because that ties me in with a memory from my childhood that's Mm -hmm. really comforting. And that in itself is a good thing. Um, It's only, uh, as we were saying before, when it goes past that physical and emotional pleasure level uh, into something else that is out of control perhaps and definitely not nourishing us, you know. So I want to just mention that too because, reaching for food for pleasure and for comfort and not necessarily a bad thing but it's when it's out you have that sense of being out of control and not being able to be mindful you know about choices you know so definitely pleasure is a driver for eating so our preferences you know you were saying before some people like to eat vegetarian food for (laughs) a whole host of reasons and um you know, I have friends and colleagues who would love to be vegetarian, and uh, I picked up on your point. It doesn't suit everyone. Um, right. But it doesn't, doesn't mean they have to eat meat every day. You know, for some of them it's just, you know, a piece of chicken or a piece of fish or some red meat once a week, and that seems to keep their iron levels up and also their energy levels up. So, you know, we have preferences, and sometimes they can be you know, not supporting our health. You know, even I had to face this as a vegetarian-style eater. Um, Mm -hmm. I was having problems with my iron levels, and I really got to the stage, well, if they don't improve, then I will have to start eating some you know, animal foods again, but they did, you know, my body was okay. Um, so we have to question, you know, this and, you know, I've raised knowledge and skills that can either support us or not support us. You know, that's a very strong driver. We can get fixed on uh, certain knowledge and beliefs about food. Uh, convenience is a big driver for eating as well. So if we can eat in a way that's convenient and nourishing, then that's going to support our health and wellbeing being body image, you know, you've mentioned this You know, waiting <laughs> example is a classic one, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to go out there and, and that tension. And, you know, if you didn't realize that you had that fear of actually connecting with people more, if you lost weight, then it would be really frustrating. You'd be in this situation in this cycle where you were wanting to improve your health and your fitness and perhaps lose some weight. But if you weren't aware of that fear that you shared, you know, in that particular story, then it wouldn't happen. You know, again, we'd be on that crevice, you know, one foot's like, yep, I really want to have, you know, a health and well-being <laughs> lifestyle and this side saying, no, nah, I'm so afraid I'm not going there. But mm-hmm. as you said, we've got to dig into what that fear really is and what it means in a practical sense and, um, and then, of course, you know, the, the final driver I want to mention is our emotional drivers, which we've been talking about, you know, so far. Yeah. So my the, the Eating For You approach really helps bring those drivers into alignment to support your health vision. Um, and it's just, to, again, trying to take mindfulness into practical realms um, that we can understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And it also seems like you're... you're your your course and your program helps you to get a healthier perspective mm. on the beliefs you have around eating. And then also I think the beliefs you have around your body, you know, it's yes. like, well, when did you learn that big thighs were ugly? When did you learn <sighs> that, you know, arms were this, when did you learn that you had to look, you had to have like, mm a Kardashian body? When did you learn you had to be emaciated like a model? Like, you know, like where did these beliefs come from? Like, for, like you know, like for me now, it's like, I just want what is the healthiest and highest version of my body? Like exactly. when my body is being nourished, mm-hmm. when I'm treating my body mm-hmm. in a, in a healthy way, what does my body look like? Because you don't have to mess with nature. Like your body actually knows. Like we're not all supposed to look like cookie cutter versions of each other. Um, (laughs) I had this one experience where just it broke my heart, and it made me realize I was like, "Wow, childhood stuff really does Mm. affect people." So I was at Mm. someone's house. I'm not going to say who they are, and they had um, they were there with their with their child, and their child was maybe like five or six, and the mom is beautiful, gorgeous, great, whatever. But Mm. she definitely has some type of always complaining about her body, always Mm. needing to be on a diet, always thinking she has Mm. to lose these last 10 pounds, whatever it is. And her daughter was about five or six and healthy, beautiful uh, little girl. And she was echoing her mother and she was like, oh, my thighs are so big. Oh, I look Mm. so fat. And she was like (laughs) literally five or six. And I was like, "Ah." This is how it happens. Yeah. we these little, perfect, beautiful creatures. And the people that we look to to take care of us, we are taking in their good and their bad. Of so course. it's like, you know, mm-hmm. she's mirroring her mother. So she's going to yes. be that girl that grows up and thinks she has to look a certain way in order to be perfect, in order, in order to be lovable, yes. or in order to be everything. Yeah. And she's just inherited that um, unhealthy thinking from the person mm-hmm. who's supposed to be taking care of her. And you yes. kind of see that. And so it's kind of, you want to sit back and yeah. think, well, like who mm-hmm. taught me that who mm-hmm. I am isn't good enough? Where did I, I learn that I had to change yeah. me in order to be enough?
1: Yeah. And it, yeah. And it no.
0: broke my heart. And I didn't say anything mm-hmm. cause it like was a mm-hmm. child and a mom and I wasn't my place, mm-hmm. but it, my, my heart just like broke.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm feeling. You know, I always go hands to chest when I'm thinking getting some sort of heart reaction. It's just my nature. And, you know, it brought up a few things for me um, is that, you know, three things. It was like I can recall a beautiful person in my life when I was a child saying something to my mum without realising what the impact it was going to have on me. Mm -hmm. And it was like they were... Discussing me, well, she, my mum wasn't so much, but you know, um, this beautiful person who mm-hmm. I loved and 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 still loved as an adult, but she just made the comment, "Oh, Sally Ann will never be as thin as her sister." Now, at that age, I didn't know what thin mm. was, but I had this concept that thin was good. Exactly. Why else would someone else who I love make that comment. And you know, even looking back now though, there was obviously something going on in my mind as a child that, well, adults can make comment without it actually being a judgment. It can just be a comment. You know, this is the other thing. We when someone says something, we put value into it Mm -hmm. in either a positive or negative way. Um, So I just wanted to share that because that obviously had an impact on me you know, heading into my teenage years um, with understanding, you know. But I didn't know about that, you know, as a teenager. Because it was like I was seven or eight probably when I heard that. So it was kind of in the subconscious somewhere. The other thing is that in terms of talking about our bodies, when um, I first travelled to India and had a reasonable amount of time there, I was fortunate to be at an Ayurveda retreat and spent time speaking to the Ayurvedic doctor and we were able to have these really great you know discussions about mind body and you know I was learning about the different body types and doshas constitutions from an Ayurvedic perspective mm-hmm. and I thought you know how wonderful the Ayurvedic approach was in terms of saying okay, you've been born with a particular body type which includes your body shape you know mm-hmm. your tendency to have muscle your tendency to be thin your tendency to have curves and put on fat um, no one body type is perfect each comes with its health benefits and blessings <laughs> and yeah. also the challenges you know like it there is no one type and the third thing I wanted to mention so much so, and you mentioned this earlier, was about that number on the scales. Mm-hmm. If we have started dieting as a teenager or even in our twenties, we don't even know what that number is supposed to be because we've never allowed ourselves to just be. Exactly. And know, you know, that, you know, it's just yeah, this just I, I just feel so fortunate with my life in my work and, you know, being able to have time in India to learn more about Ayurveda and how, you know, I can see the bridges between Ayurveda and science. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, yeah, I just feel fortunate that, you know, this knowledge and you're helping me do it as well by having me on your podcast, Thank that you we for can spread this information, you know?
0: No, uh, absolutely. Like, I know I'll just be completely transparent. I had to teach myself how to love my body. Mm -hmm. And how I did it was through gratitude. I would... Really be really conscious of the thoughts I had about my body. So if I was thinking, oh, I'm too this, I'm too that. And the reality is, I wasn't any of those things. The reality is, I'm completely healthy and happy and and like my body's great. Like, so there's no problem there. The problem was my own inter battle. The problem was me against me. It wasn't actually anything wrong. And so I had to consciously say, like, I love you, body. Thank you for housing my soul. Thank you for being healthy. Thank you for helping me get up and move and do all of those things. I, I really got grateful for every little thing about my body, you know, like, thank you, belly. Thank you, thighs. Thank you, knees. Thank you, eyes, you know, thank you for, for health, because we take health for granted. You don't realize what a blessing it is to be healthy until you're not. And so I just, so instead of like, picking little things that I didn't like about my body. I chose to be grateful that I had a healthy functioning body Mm -hmm. and be grateful for everything it is, you know, thank you ribs, you know, thank you. Like, thank you all of it. So if I catch myself looking at a piece of my body, I thank myself for it or yeah. if i um catch myself being down on my body like is that a mm. is that a, a side role good gracious no i'm like oh like thank you like thank you for cushioning my organs you know like thank you for mm. housing me mm. and i really changed my perspective i was like you know what my body yeah. is like, like 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 it says your body is your temple and yes. as a temple my body houses my soul so yes. I, so i better honor it and cherish it yeah. Like yeah. how grateful but, that I ha- get to have this human experience, and a part yeah. of my human experience is this body that I was given, mm-hmm.
1: That's and this right. body
0: is housing the soul that has that gets to have this human experience. Yeah. So how dare I hate it? How yeah, dare I hate it. it? You know.
1: But also, but it's also going back um, to what you know, where we sort of started our conversation. In many ways, is that at some point in our life. We heard something, we saw something that made us think that our value, our lovability, our worthiness Mm -hmm. is to do with how we look. And really at the end of the day, our body, as you say, is our vehicle in life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so often we take our car to the garage to get checked up, fine-tuned, we buy the right fuel for it, we do all the right things for our car and you know, that is the same for us with our body, you know, learning about the fuel that we need and the self-care activities that keep us in tune and functioning in a healthy and happy way. Um, one thing that came to mind was a bit of a another sort of step in my process in my 20s. A friend of mine, an older friend, her son had a car accident and he lost part of his foot in the car accident. And whilst it wasn't going to render him Immobile. He had to go through so many operations with skin grafts and so forth and, you know, was on crutches, you know, to move around because he couldn't walk. And, um, you know, it's just crazy to think about this at, at this time now, you know, many years on, that I'd always had a thing about my feet. <laughs> you <know? laughs> like, you know, I have, well, I do. I had, you know, and it was encouraged by playing netball, you know, I mm-hmm. aggravated this inborn you know genetic thing with my feet and of course it made it worse it made it painful it made it stick out it made it difficult to buy shoes because i had this lump on my heel and i thought to myself i'm glad i have my heel because this friend's son no longer has his heel um. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's a pretty dramatic uh action of gratitude. But it was like, get over your feet, Sally Ann, just do what <laughs> yeah. so you can walk. You know, I had to give up running and things like that, which I used to love. Um, but hey, you know, I'm I'm healthy, I'm fit, and my feet are intact. I haven't needed surgery for that condition. Um, yeah, so we get reality checks along the way and and but we can miss them, you know, as you said, if we're not there with a sense of openness and gratitude, we can miss those, you know, little lessons that become really big changes in our life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's like, a, I think, it was it Sojourner Truth, the quote, the mind makes the body? Because mm-hmm. I, I really believe, like, the moment I started to consciously make the choice to mm-hmm. love myself, to, to self-acceptance, was my body change naturally and eat more easily. Like even the food, even if I didn't really change so much what I was eating, but of course I'd make more conscious tweaks here Mm. and there. But Mm. I just think the energy that I brought to myself made me healthier
1: and just made me more
0: comfortable in my own skin. And so then my default started to becoming, making those conscious decisions that were for my body and for my inform myself Mm -hmm. rather than for punishing myself for trying to like change myself
1: what came to mind sorry to interrupt but i just want to share this was that in many ways when we just get into that state of acceptance or openness or beingness however you want to express it you know what came Mm -hmm. to me was actually you were allowing your energy to shine and take the physical form that you were always meant to have and that is wonderful because often what we're doing with this dieting and negative thoughts about ourselves we're squashing our own energy so Mm -hmm. our true energy cannot be visible in the world because we're fighting it
0: yeah yeah it's it's it goes back to um, authenticity like yeah. the moment you stop trying to constrict and contrive and to nip and to tuck and inject and starve and overeat and suck yeah. out the moment you stop doing all of that and you create the space for your authentic self to show up mm-hmm. that shows up in such a bigger and that makes you so much more magnetic like oh, okay. I, I never felt as Attractive and as mm-hmm. sensual and as happy and as healthy, you mm-hmm. know, when I was like dieting and like super, super, super thin. Like, I, even when I would be super, super, super thin, I was never happy with it. No, mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. never mm-hmm. enough. But the mm-hmm. moment I was just like, forget that, I'm just mm-hmm. going to focus on being the most highest version of me. I would just became way more mag- magnetic people would like you have a goal yeah. about you. you have a joy about you there's an attraction yes. about you, yes. because when you really accept yourself that energy is like, sexy that energy is, <sighs> is um people want that right it's like when somebody walks into their room and they're like there's something about him there's something about her it's that genocide qua you know, yeah. it's that essence. And the, uh, to me, that essence, is not a number on the scale. It's not having yeah. abs. It's not having that silhouette yeah. or whatever people are doing to themselves. It's that essence of, I'm good with me. Yeah. And I validate me. And when people have that, you want a piece of it.
1: Ah, uh, exactly. And my... I want to share a horse story now. (laughs) So my practice of mindfulness and, you know, one of my best teachers is my horse. I love that. What come to mind then, what you were talking about is when when we sense we're not enough, people are picking up on an energy that you want something more, okay? Mm -hmm. And I know with my horse, it's like if she knows people want to pat her, she knows <laughs> they want something from her and so what does she do she backs away mm-hmm. okay it's kind of like no <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm not getting
1: into this relationship where you want something from me you know like just let me be and mm-hmm. i'll come to you and yep. i'll let you pat me and i hadn't thought about it from until you were talking is that we are creating that energy when we feel when we don't feel that we're enough or we don't know how to fill the void or to keep ourselves maintained, we are putting out an energy that we need something more. And some people will back off like my horse does, saying, hey, what do you want? They may not know you know, that that's what they're picking up on, but energetically they will be picking up on our need to yep. have something or be more and that can very much potentially put them off as well in terms of that repelling rather than attraction yeah
0: no 100 percent. and it also makes you um susceptible to predators like like you know people who are predatory they know like they are attracted to their victims like they know the person that has that mm-hmm. need has that desperation has that low worth low self-esteem that no. emptiness that i need to be validated by something outside of myself you know yes. you talk to the people who have been pre- i just mean like predators in general like yes. people who are like predators That's and like right. stuff like that like They know, they walk into the room and they know the person that they can, you know, get over on and they know the person that they can't. And you don't even have to open your mouth. It's that energy. So when you come from that place of lack and less than and like, I need something from you in order to feel good about me, you do that. You're like the horse. You either repel the good people or you attract the bad ones because they know that you're so needy that they can take Mm -hmm. advantage of that need.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, just on a sort of more practical level as well, you know, that obviously happens in relationships and Mm -hmm. uh, personal relationships, but it can happen in professional relationships as well, in terms of if we're not careful, and and this is certainly the story that I hear from um, ladies who over the decades have been trying different approaches uh, to help them change their relationship with food and themselves. And I kind of realized, you know, when I was developing the eating for you approach that Mm -hmm. if knowing yourself was not one of the key pillars of the approach, it wasn't going to work. So my approach is very much about empowering people, whereas many of the approaches are very much about the solution. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that if we don't know ourselves and what our issues with food are we don't know what the solution is, and you know when I have these conversations with ladies, they start to realise this that that the reason why a particular diet or program hasn't worked for them is that it's actually been a solution for somebody else, um, and and so that's we do make ourselves vulnerable when we're really wanting to fix our situation, um, and so you know one of the you know the checklists that I have is, well, is this really going to look at your reasons for eating, uh, helping you identify what nourishes you, not just food, other activities in life as well, Uh, but also is it going to help you? transition from where you are today as in introduce these new mindful choices so that becomes the more natural way of being um yeah so the vulnerability shows up i think in many different ways when we are seeking a solution and and that in itself is not a bad thing you know like if if something's not working for us we do need to find a way um to support us but we really need to have some help to identify well which part of the the puzzle for us is missing. What are the missing pieces for us?
0: Yeah. yeah. And it goes back to that self-awareness piece yes. and that what's the why piece, you know, yes. why is this not working? Why is it working? Why do I yes. do this? Why do I don't do yes. that? And just bearing yes. witness to yourself. And like you said, once you figure out the why, once you know yourself, then you're yes. empowered to make conscious decisions that are yes. in alignment with the highest version of yourself. That's it's, right. it, it just, it's, going to be able to empower you and also what I heard when you're saying is that you know it's not the yo-yo dieting and stuff like that it's yeah. it's creating flexibility within the, the lifestyle that you're creating like it's, yeah are, is it flexible like can you have that one burger even if you are you know vegetarian or presbyterian? you know can you have that two pieces of chocolate you know Mm -hmm. instead of the five like what's the flexibility within that so then you can so then that way you cultivate a lifestyle so you're not restricting you're not incorporating you're you're living you get to live and you're living intentionally so i love that so thank you so much sally and this has been amazing and before we leave yes before we leave to Two quick things. One, I'm going to ask Sally Ann one last question. But for everybody listening, you will be able to connect with Sally Ann and the eating checklist and buy her book and get her course. I will have everything linked in the show notes and in this description. So all you have to do is click it to connect with her. But I have uh, one last question for you, Sally Ann. So before (laughs) we leave, what is the one thing you want us to know? What's that one insight? Advice, wisdom, thought, story Um, could be something we've already said or something else. But what's the one thing you want us to take with us today?
1: When you're embarking on any new journey, be kind and patient with yourself.
0: Hmm. I love that. I absolutely love that. And also tell us where can we find you? Where can we get more information? Again, everything yeah. will be linked in the show notes and yeah. in the description box. But Sally, yes. do you want to share with us?
1: Yeah, lovely. Thanks, Candy. Okay. Uh, the Emotional Eating Triggers Checklist, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. is at eatingchecklist.com. So just pop that into your browser and that will take you through to the resource. The Eating For You website in four words is dot, com dot au. <clears throat> sorry about that the voice it's is just okay fading, fading out thanks candy
0: <laughs> perfect thank you so much so thank you everyone for listening thank you so much sally and until next time be well take care of yourself and mm-hmm. each other bye kim two sugar pills a practical guide to self-care